0: Mark
1: Welcome in, everybody. Monday after the Kentucky game, September 27th. It is GC Live. I'm Chris Clark. Hope everybody's doing well. What's up? Chris Anderson. Guys, you let the first commenter of the day be a Kentucky fan disappointing performance by you as well but uh, seriously we're gonna we're gonna get in to uh, Wes will join me very shortly wrapping up actually a couple of recruiting related matters namely publishing a story on priority defensive tackle who was in town over the weekend for an official visit Jamari Lyons out of Florida West just rolling a story on the front page of GamecockCentral.com if you want to go and Check that out, but welcome in everybody. Chris, who was the aforementioned Kentucky van that I mentioned. Hey, appreciate you tuning in, I guess, Chris. Rob, Beamerball2.0, Ty, Daniel, Frederick, TSC scout guy. What's going on, everybody? Uh, a lot to get to, obviously. Obviously, the Gamecocks dropping a disappointing and close loss to Kentucky on Saturday night. Great atmosphere inside williams Bryce. Lots of recruits in town, uh, three official visitors. And then obviously some other senior targets, plus a ton of 2023 and 2024 class members, even even guys some 2025 class members that were in the stands checking out the game on Saturday night. There were, of course, some good things to take away from the game, namely the performance of the defense. And there were, of course, some not so good things. And Wes and I are going to get into all those things today. Uh, if you've got any questions, drop them in the chat. I certainly have a lot of thoughts on the game, been uh, working all morning since we uh, got up early this morning, working through a rewatch of the game, publishing an insider report, some of my detailed thoughts on the offense, and want to get into a lot of those things today. So um, again, if you got questions, drop them in. Thanks for being here. Hope you all had a good weekend, and it's good to be back here on GC Live with you guys. First, before we dive into it. Let me tell you a little bit about our primary presenting sponsor. That is Clint Hammond of the mortgage network. If you are in the market to buy a home, if you have questions about refinancing is refinancing right for me, what does it entail? What are the costs? How much could it save me? I've been in that position before too. check out Clint with the mortgage network. He's a branch manager of the Columbia mortgage network. And you can hit him up here. You see his kind of virtual card here, Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Or give him a call, 803 771 His NMLS number is 71597. Clint's a great dude, Gamecock fan, friend of the show, and a longtime subscriber of Gamecock Central. So if you enjoy what we do here on GC Live and you have any mortgage refinance questions, concerns, or comments, Maybe Clint likes mortgages. Maybe he just wants to chat with you about it. Give him a call. Give him your, your uh, first crack. Give him your first crack in business. All right. So let's dive into some questions. I know I know that you guys have a bunch. When Wes gets here, we're going to run through a bunch of different storylines, some kind of micro things that we saw from the game. Probably you're going to need to get into some recruiting. So we've got about an hour with you guys, and it's going to be a jam-packed show for sure. First, before I get into a question, into questions, Wes and I, um, ever, we talk about this sometimes. Ever since we started doing this show, which has been awesome for us, hopefully it's been good for you guys. Hopefully you, you enjoy the show. And uh, it's been really good for GameCockCentral.com. I think it's kind of helps when you do stuff like this. Uh, a lot of web-based, internet-based stuff, or maybe people see us on social media. You know, we don't really get to talk to each other a lot. We don't see each other face to face. Um, And so Wes and I, you know, when we're milling around before the games on the weekend, the home games or whatever, even just out at other places or Gamecock kind of related functions, we tend more to get recognized a little bit more now. So let me give you actually one of my most disappointing things of the weekend. And that is I'm going to go ahead and say that before, say it before Wes gets here. A bunch of you guys called me Wes this weekend. There was a guy literally in the stands at williams Bryce, And and I hope, I, I assume he knew me from the show. I assume. Or, or somewhere. Maybe he's seen me somewhere else. But this guy came and he literally stopped and he was like, Wes, Wes. And I think he had maybe his girlfriend with him or something like that. And just kept saying Wes. And for a minute I was just staring at him because I didn't know if he was talking to me. I was kind of looking behind me. I think it was, so I kind of waved at him. I, I don't know. Um, and then it happened a few other times on the day. Nectarios says they used to mix y'all up too. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're similar height. Um, I'm the superior athlete. Just kidding. Um, but but seriously. So I, I don't really know the mix up. I mean, maybe, I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what's uh What's going on there? But I am Chris. We're labeled on the show. I, as you know, once Wes gets here, I'm on the right side. And Wes is on the left tie. Come on, man. Y'all y'all are killing me though. Seriously. SC Scout guy says you need to start wearing a name tag to games. That 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 is that is the next point. I'm glad you said this, dude. We had uh, as Wes told you guys on Friday, we had a GameCock Central subscribers only tailgate. And we had name tags. Our publisher, Brian Shoemaker, printed out name tags. I was wearing one. I think I had my sunglasses on, maybe, but I was wearing a name tag and I still got Hey Wes, probably a couple times at the game. And see, Trey says he ran into Wes after the game and called him Wes. Congratulations, Trey. Very good. I don't see what I don't know is maybe Wes is so good at what he does and he's so famous that he gets called Wes, and then I get called Wes too. So I, I wonder if anybody calls him Chris. These are the important things that we're going to break down on today's show. All right, I'm, I'm done with that. We will double back to that when uh, when Wes gets here, but I, I had to mention it. I, I thought it was hilarious. If you called me Wes, guy in the stands in williams Price, I'm not offended. It's all good. Thanks for watching. And I uh, heard a lot of good things from you guys that I saw at the Gamecock Central tailgate or just throughout the day. All right, so uh, Rob Youngson coming in hot within a comment. We have to change something. Offense looks way too lethargic. Is this it? This, oh, I found him. This is him. Mark. Wes, that was me. He was sitting in the section next to you. Dude, I was running my mouth so much I didn't see your comment. Mark. Let me, let me find his comments. I think he said something else here. Yeah, there you go. Mark said I was sitting in section five next to you. Yeah, dude, I'm Chris. Thank you. Thank you for saying something. And I'm sorry I look so bewildered uh, because I was so confused. Like at first, I didn't know you were talking to me. I didn't know what was going on. But hey, I appreciate you listening. And I appreciate you saying something. I'm just giving you a hard time. It's all good. Thanks for being here. I'm glad, I'm glad we solved that mystery. That's awesome. <laughs> Chris looks more like a West than West does. Okay. All right, I got it. Todd Bloom, this is a great comment. Bring the pin and pull back. I actually have a point on that that I want to make. Let's start there. Okay, let's start there with the offense. There's a lot in this game to dive into. Special teams was kind of boring, I guess you could say. Jeff Drummond from CatsIllustrated.com last week. We had him on to preview the game. He kind of mentioned Kentucky's special teams have been kind of boring. That's kind of how it was in this game. wasn't much to speak of in terms of returns. wasn't a lot of um. There weren't weren't any big plays. There weren't any bad plays. South Carolina punted the ball quite well. Uh, one time they backed up Kentucky what to the four yard line or so. Kentucky actually fumbled the ball on one of those early plays and and got it right back. Really wasn't in any danger. Just kind of how the ball bounced. And then defensively, look, there were some things. There some things to break down there. Namely, the disappointment, I think, for South Carolina, the defensive side of the ball was giving up, what was it, 230 rushing yards to Kentucky. That was a disappointment. But we did see more good than not, and, and that was uh, the defense sometimes got into some bad situations. First drive of the game was a disappointment, right? Gave up a touchdown, the only of the game. The last drive was a disappointment because it was all on the defense at that point. Unfair to them, but it was all on them. To get a stop, two timeouts left. Kentucky got eight yards on their first, um, you know, carry of that sequence, got a first down, and end up getting another one, salted the game away. And then the overall rushing yards. But but here's what it comes down to, guys. At the end of the day, they gave up one touchdown. They gave up 16 points. Uh, they got the ball back for the offense multiple times. Uh, what was it? Two fumbles uh, in Kentucky territory, and then an interception. And so. When you do that, and when you give up 16 points in the modern era of college football, especially, where scoring is up, we don't, we don't need to sit here and talk that much about the defense. What, are there things to talk about? Yeah, the 230 rushing yards concerning, right? But the fact that there were not many explosive passing plays for Kentucky, that was a big concern going into the game. And the fact that at the end of the day, South Carolina, despite playing, I think, almost 70 defensive snaps, did its job. They gave up 16 points. That's good enough to win this game on Saturday, and it, it's that's good enough to win most weeks. So the defense did, did their job. So we're probably going to spend the bulk of our time as we recap this game on the offense. And if you want to go to the front page of GameCockCentral.com, hopefully you're a subscriber. So you can that's another way you can support this show. Subscribe to us uh, on GameCockCentral.com. And if you're not a subscriber on our YouTube channel, that's free. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube, hit the little bell for notifications so you can know every time that we go live. But we're gonna spend the bulk of our time talking about the offense because that you know there were the most storylines coming out of the game. That was the biggest problem. They play 53 snaps, I think it was, in this game. 15 of them, which I'm um, not great at math, so I had to go back and do the math. That's over 25%, over a quarter of the plays, were third or fourth downs. And when you only convert, I think, three of those, three of those 15, that's not going to be good enough to win a football game. So, um, you know, th- th- there's a lot to talk about there. Looks like my partner in crime is with us. Wes, you good? You brought yourself in. Very- I'll switch the screen. Wes, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this one, but I have to say it. I mean, we made a discovery. All right. I was going through the the worst things of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And and mine was that I felt a little failed by the the people here on the show. There were at least, I think, five times that I got called Wes over the weekend. Uh <laughs> And somebody said, well, y'all should, y'all should wear name tags when you go out and get, and I said, well, at least two of the times are at the Game Cut Central subscribers only tailgate, where I was literally wearing a name tag that said Chris. We were wearing a name tag. And I still got called Wes, so I just let it go. Somebody in the game, and this is where the discovery comes in, somebody in the game stopped on the aisle, on walking up and said, Wes, Wes, Wes. And so at first I didn't respond, and then I finally looked over. And and I was just kind of bewildered because I didn't know if he was talking to me. And I finally kind of waved. It was our guy Mark Anderson here. That was the discovery. Fortunately, he's listening today, so we could solve this this grand mystery. So if you go back and look at a lot of the comments, they're giving me a hard time. Do, do you get called Chris ever? Or are we both just West? Like are you? I think we're
0: both West. Like, and here's the thing, guys. Like, if you if you look, let's see if I can do this right there. Well, I pointed that out.
1: We're having some issues. Yeah, Marcus, I don't. I don't know.
0: I, I will say this, time. man. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you a hard time. I think before we did the uh, before we did the show, like I, I mean, people know what Gamecock Central is, but it's something about our faces being here. Um, yeah, walking around the stadium, I I've met more of you in the last year than the year the other years combined. I feel like just because I think our our fate is just. Our faces are out there instead of our names. So it was, I was going to say it was cool to meet um, a, a lot of you out there because I've met more uh, Gamecock Central and GC Live fans uh, the last, not last season really, because, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, not capacity crowds. But so yeah. far this year, I've actually bumped into a lot of you, which has been cool. Um, a lot of you drank a lot of alcohol on Saturday, too. So it, was, <laughs> it was impressive how many hammered people I met that were fired up for the game atmosphere game Nation on point yeah uh, credit where it's due again um you know that y'all show y'all show up y'all show out the support for this program was there man so I, I before we like get into the other parts like I I did think that was worth mentioning Chris that the the fans showed up and, and did their part on on Saturday
1: they definitely did. Really good atmosphere. You know, we're, we're still, there's so many prospects there. We're still kind of working through our list there and we'll have content all week up on Gamecock Central. I was telling the, the folks here West that you have a interview with uh, Jamari Lyons, highly regarded defensive tackle out of Florida, took his official over the weekend, one of three official visitors, other senior targets on campus too. And, um, you know, so check that out and a bunch of other content too. But yeah, it was a, it was a really good atmosphere, you know, at the beginning of the game and, and really throughout, and a lot of the prospects that, that I've spoken with, I know you can say the same, Wes, have touted that atmosphere. But what I was saying right before you came on, Wes, aside from giving our, our buddy Mark a hard time, and, and I'm really just giving you a hard time, Mark. No no worries, man. I, uh, I just don't think there's a ton to talk about in terms of the defense, you know, from the game. Uh, the special teams were, you know, there wasn't a lot there. You know, we, we didn't see a ton. Uh, I thought South Carolina did a good job a couple of times. They pinned Kentucky back punting, for instance. Um, you know, part of that was the product of, you know, they got good field position themselves and didn't move the football enough. And, you know, the rushing yard totals certainly were disappointing. The opening drive touchdown was disappointing, but at the end of the day, this is kind of how I summed it up. You give up 16 points. You hold Kentucky to three field goals, pivotal moments, um, you force some turnovers and give your def- your offense the ball back in really good positions. And if you if you hold a team, no matter the yardage totals or whatever it may be, if you hold a team to sixteen points, you've done your job, and that should be good enough to win the game. It wasn't, and so the, that where that leaves us, I think Wes is is the offense, and that's been that's really been the storyline, you know, for the first really for the first four games of the season. We didn't talk about it as much after EIU because they scored. Um, you know, pretty you – know, that game was kind of out of hand and there's not a lot to take away from it. But the offense, I think, is is what we really need to hone in and focus on when we're breaking down this game because it wasn't good enough in this game. And it's still we, – we still haven't seen the type of improvement that we need to see for this team to go out and kind of accomplish its goals. Shane Beamer has often said his goal for this team is to maximize this team's potential, whatever that may be. And I think probably the most frustrating thing, Wes, for people is that, and I'll speak my experience, what I see is when I watch this team, offensively we knew there were limitations coming into this year. But I don't think this offense is maximizing even what they have. I don't think they're reaching their potential. And I think we have a body of work to look back on last year with this offensive line that returned almost everybody. You returned Kevin Harris. Yeah, he missed the beginning of the year. Uh, you have a, a group of running backs who are talented. You have some receivers that have made some strides. You have some tight ends with talent. And yet, they're kind of scrapping and clawing right now. I know there's a lot to it. But there's a lot of work to be done on offense, I think, to maximize what this group could be.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, man, the uh, talking to a lot of fans that I, that I know and buddies of mine, I, I think the frustration is just, Knowing that this game was there for the taking, like I, I think, um, you know, if 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 for whatever reason Kentucky just played a great game and they just beat you, then it, it may it maybe just shows, hey, Kentucky's just that much better. But Kentucky, particularly on offense, they didn't play as well as I expected them to. You know, give credit to South Carolina's defense for for certainly some of that. But you know, whenever a, a team turns the football over that many times, um, and, and to, to get the ball in plus territory, you know, to get the ball in field position to make things happen um, and then not be able to get it done, uh, I think, is, uh, you know, we, we hear coaches talk all the time. Oh, you know, we, we had bad field position. We just couldn't couldn't get it out of our own, uh, you know, our own end zone. Uh, we, we kept starting backed up. Uh, you know, you heard Muschamp talk about that. Um, several times, you know, we couldn't get anything going, coming out. Well, this was a case where, you know, Kentucky did put the ball on the ground. South Carolina recovered it. And you you had multiple opportunities in in great field position where you had to go just a short field. And you you didn't get anything done. And I I think, um, you know, like you said, we can nitpick on the defense. And I, you know, there are certain things they got to stop and run better, um, you know or can you count on getting three turnovers every game probably not but um the, the defense at the end of the game the defense did what they needed to do if you if you hold a team to 16 points in today's college football you should get the dub man like that's just sort of the, the way it is like it, this college football is built around offense all football is built around offense these days so um yeah man it, the if you had told me coming in you know you and I talked on air quite a bit. We talked off air quite a bit. If, you know, I, I felt like if you just lined these teams up and they're, everything was equal, Kentucky's the, the better football team. They should be um, this deep into Stoops' uh tenure. But I thought, you know, if South Carolina can get to turnovers, we even talked about the fact that Kentucky has turned the football over much more than South Carolina. They have put the ball in danger. Guess what? They did. So if you'd have told me, that South Carolina would have a huge turnover advantage in this game at home, you know, I I'd have said South Carolina wins. I, I'd have, I'd have been pretty confident in it. So uh, you know, to to only score um yeah, the the one offensive touchdown um in, in the game is uh it is rough. Uh and I Chris, the, the big thing now is is why is this happening? Like not that we should have expected Nobody set the expectations for South Carolina to go up and down the field this year on offense. Nobody, nobody with any feel for this program has set that expectation. So, but have we? I believe rightfully so. Set the expectations for it to be better offensively than it is right now. Yes, and you know I, I think um, I I hate when people use the word identity when it comes to offense. I love and the I,
1: way you said it. That was so good.
0: I, I know why you're laughing. Inside yeah. joke. DC Live, inside joke. But um, I I hate because that's like a that's like a catch-all people use, just like play calling. If, often, if the offense isn't going well, oh, it's the play calling. It's the play calling. And sometimes it is. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I'm just saying that's just when things go wrong, people are like, oh, it's the play calling. Um, but – to me, there is something to be said. You know, we used the phrase last week because I think Beamer said it. The offense got to find something to hang their hat on. Um, it, it's it's awesome to be multiple and diverse and to do all these different things on offense. If, if you're executing everything and you have a if you have a veteran team that's been in a scheme for a couple of years, um, you don't really need an identity. You just whatever you feel like doing that week, whatever you need to do to attack that opponent, you, you go do it right. Well, when, when your first year in a new offense with a young quarterback, Beamer's pointed that out several times, right? Luke Doty is still a young, inexperienced quarterback. Um, you sort of, to me, Chris, it, it comes down to honing in on, on what you do well and, and using your pra- – not that we're at practice at it by any means. We don't know exactly you know what they're doing, but I, I, I think um, just from the outside looking in, and I can already tell, man, we're going to get into repeat our territory. Oh, yeah. It's going to be boring as crap. So I apologize in advance because we're all week long we're going to get questions about it that there are no answers. There are no answers we can give you. There's no answers the coaches can give you right now. The only answer is for it to get better on the field. There's no way to talk your way through this. And um, so we're going to get asked by people who aren't on the show every day all week long what what the heck is wrong with the offense? right now, to me they're gonna have to hone in on small like a small portion of the playbook that you do well. try to get your execution at a high, super high level and then build from that a- after you execute those things you build from there. again, very very easy for me to sit here in my office on Monday afternoon chilling with my trail mix. And talk about it. It's a much more difficult thing to go do, right? You know, let, let's be honest about that part of it as well. But to me, I look at the defense, they sort of have an identity. They sort of have, hey, here's our scheme. This is a 425. Clayton White says, hey, it works. I know, I know all the ins and outs of it. I'm gonna install it. Is it always gonna be perfect? Are we gonna shut teams out that are super talented? No, but this is what we do, and the guys look comfortable. The guys sort of to me, Chris, look like they know where they're going. On mm-hmm. defense, on offense, there's still that little slight hesitation. I feel like
1: you're right. I mean, I think th- there is a difference in how those two groups are playing. You know, and the special teams have been solid, as we said. They've even made some 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 plays that have helped alter the outcome of games. And Parker White, I mean, again, he there was one in this game. He he hit a very long field goal. Um, everybody executed everything well, and then Parker. I mean, that's one of the more individualistic plays in football, the other other things have to go right, right? They have to block and not let anybody, you know, block the kick. You have to get the snap down. you got to get the hold down. But at the end of the day, all that can go right. If the kicker flubs it, it's not going to go well. So that was another big play in the game, but the offense couldn't capitalize otherwise. I think there's several different points. I think what what you said, Wes, was a good point about, you know, people just pointing, okay, just the play calling, right? Well, there are some things there that we can get into that I think we've seen the first three games before this. And then we saw in this game that you can question some certain things about the play calling. It's not really popular in today's culture, today's society to say the following phrase. It's nuanced or there's more than one thing. People people want to say, no, this is bad. Change this, change that. It's the head coach. It's the play calling. It is nuanced, right? When you have an offensive system when you have 11 people on the field at once, when you got defend defenders trying to stop what the other 11 people on offense are doing, that leads to a complex game. That's why football is so great, right? It's, it's a bunch of individuals and individual plays, but it's also a collective all at the same time, all wrapped up at once. And so sometimes it's kind of this beautiful like chaos. Um, so there's a lot that comes out of that. And when you dive into this game, if you rewatch it, you know, there are a lot of different issues and a lot of different things. And here's where I want to start. There are some different things that happen throughout the game to where we could sit here and still be talking about all the offensive problems, how they only ran, maybe instead of 53, it's like 56 or 60 offensive plays and maybe they barely eke out a win. If some other things had gone an opposite way, there'd still be issues with the offense, right? But, We've taught – that's one of those phrases we repeat so often, the low margin of error. Beamer even alluded to it, um, I think, on Sunday night during his teleconference. But, look, I mean, here's one. Kentucky fumbles on the four-yard line. They're on four. Um, South Carolina doesn't get it. That one wasn't as close as the other ones, but they don't get it. That was in the first half. South Carolina didn't score in the first half. If that goes your way, you're on the four-yard line, at least you're getting a field goal, at least, okay? Okay. Um, You got another one where Kentucky fumbles. The ball literally bounces up. Damani Staley goes to grab it. Another teammate goes to grab it. They both kind of miss it, and then Kentucky gets it. That would have given you the ball back in territory. Um, You look at a play where South Carolina had gotten a sack. Jabari Ellis made a great play, and him and Jordan Birch combined on a sack of Will Levis. Well, that got wiped off the board because they called, and I'm not complaining about ref guy. You guys know us. They called it an awful, awful holding penalty on Cam Smith. I mean, it was really bad. Um, now, Kentucky committed a, an offensive holding after that, but the drive, the point is, instead of being backed up after that sack, they got a fresh set of downs, and then they were able to go ahead, and, and then they ended up getting a field goal. So there were a lot of little things like that in the game. But let's boil down to a little bit more of the things with the actual offense. I thought, actually, Wes – and, I, and I'm going to be critical of some of the offensive stuff too in terms of maybe the setup or play calling. I thought there were some good calls in this game that didn't work out. The two fourth down calls. Luke Doty threw a dart to Jalen Brooks. If that ball's caught, we're not talking about that fourth down conversion, right? The, the ball should have been caught, bottom line. It was right there. It was a great throw. Uh, rolling to his right. Brooks coming across, put it in a very tight window. That ball's got to be caught. The ball to On Joyner. That was an instance I think where we saw Luke Doty's inexperience. He gets that ball out quickly. Remember, he was under pressure a lot of the night. Throws it short of the sticks. Joiner drops it anyway. Probably wouldn't have gotten a first down even if he had caught it. Had the corner route come wide open, even in a cover two zone, Jalen Brooks was open on the corner. So, couple plays right there. On the other side. You do go back to, okay, why are they not executing in the run game, for instance? Why are we seeing so many things where a guy got knocked off a spot or they didn't finish this block or they missed this block? So that goes back to, well, what's the problem? Is it something with scheme? or things too complicated? What is it? I go back to, and we had actually, Wes, somebody I can't properly credit, ask about the pin and pull. Said, so bring the pin and pull back. I went back and watched the, film from the game they ran the pin and pull in this game they ran it twice one play I think for six yards to Juju McDowell and one player for about 10 or 11 to Kevin Harris and that's all we saw of it that's all I saw of it was was twice in this game so that I I think there's a multitude of issues again nobody some people don't want to hear that they just want to say well play calling is not bad there's there's just a lot of issues and when you have such a low margin of error those things they really add up and you can't go three of 15 or whatever it was on, on third and fourth down and be a quality opponent.
0: Yeah. And I, I think um, so, some of these issues that we're talking about, man, some something caught my attention that, that Beamer mentioned. I think it was on the teleconference. He may have mentioned it on the, the press conference as well, right after the game, but uh, it, it kind of goes back to, to, to nuance as well and sort of, diving in on, on what's really going on. To me, the word timing has come up a couple of times in both um timing where your back is hitting a hole. Beamer mentioned they had a pulling guard on, I believe it's the fourth and one, the fourth and short, where they they got they got stopped on third and fourth and short back to back. Um and it was just uh, you know, the the timing has to be a little bit better and letting that lineman pull through before you hit the hole as a running back. And Beamer said that the timing on the in the uh, screen game has been off as well. And we have not really seen South Carolina, you know, I, I know that's one, another one of the big fan truisms, you know, why aren't there more screens? Why aren't there more? I, I believe we've seen South Carolina call um, some screens as far as play calling goes, but, they haven't hit at all. It, like they haven't really gone for, for big gains. So, you know, I, I think Chris, to me um, timing has been a pretty big issue for, for South Carolina. And I also, it's, it's kind of one of those things when we talk about um, issues, are we talking about like the, the illness or are we, or are we talking about symptoms? You know, like, are we talking about what's wrong or are we talking about, a result of something that is wrong. And uh, I, I don't know where timing falls in that. I, I do think in some ways, though, timing is probably about repetition, right? Like get running plays over and over and over until it's not not only good, but it's great, you know, that it's perfect. He talked about, um, you know, again, this goes back to a young quarterback, man, um, ha- being in exact, proper – footwork to where a running play is hit at a particular angle. That is something that n- nobody, may, maybe there's a handful of coaches, you know, or former coaches in the stands that that have really just like, you know, are like experts that would say, oh, that that was the wrong angle on that handoff. We coach it like this, 99.9%, including myself, are not going to notice something like that in, in the stands, you know. So, so it's those little things to me that all fall into that execution umbrella that are that are issues for South Carolina on offense right now that keep you from being, you know. Again, it's not it's not that anybody expects this to be like Ole Miss's offense. This is, you know, this is what keeps you from from winning a low scoring home football game where where you have opportunities to go win. Yeah, and, and
1: that's what the expectation kind of was for this offense in terms of being able to maximize the potential. There's a question of whether or not they'd be able to do it, right? But what could it be if things go generally well? And, and I think the answer to that was an offense that can put up some points, run the ball well, sustain drives, don't put your defense – on the field a ton, don't put your defense in bad spots, be opportunistic and be serviceable. You know, being – this is going to sound like a slight, but being fairly average on offense this year was something that, if you look back on it, you know, they were middle of the pack in the conference on offense. That would be something that a lot of people would look at and go, okay, that's – you know, that's an improvement. You know, show some improvement in the pass game, kind of build on what you did last season in the running game. And you have a chance to be a serviceable offense that can that can score enough points coupled with your defense and your special teams to be able to win some games. We haven't seen that yet. Um, Wes, I have just a, a shameless plug. What I decided to do for my rewatch of the game and for the insider report, always publish one on Mondays, either in the morning or before, sometime before the afternoon, after each game, just with some game thoughts. And some big picture thoughts on where things go after each contest and what i decided to do was to go through and break down all of south carolina's drives all 10 drives and i'm not going to read it on the show because people start logging off but it's there if you want to go read it and you're a subscriber and it really zooms into what went wrong on every drive because there are a lot of them where south carolina's in third and two third and one the fourth down calls what exactly went wrong on on every drive because they had 10 drives they scored twice um one touchdown to open the third quarter that was a really well called well executed drive and they went down and scored um, there were some big plays in terms of third down conversions on that drive there were some nice runs on that drive and then the field goal obviously with parker white those are the only two drives out of the 10 that they scored the rest of them had things of various kinds that went wrong so if you want to go through and kind of check out what happened on all those, you know, you can you can get that on com. But, yeah, just, just a lot of issues, man. And, look, I do think there were some things that you could take away. There was not a lot of good from the offense, right? I thought Luke Doty hit some downfield balls. Maybe that's part of what South Carolina looks at a little bit more. Somebody even brought it up in the chat. Are you going to have to start passing the ball a little bit more? Will that open up the run game for you a little bit? I don't know. But there have just been so many issues here that it's kind of tough to tell. Like you said, is it is it a disease? What are we seeing the symptoms? I mean, it's just – it's really tough to tell because there have been so many different issues that have cropped up along the way.
0: Well, and when, when you run just over 50 plays in a game, it goes back to something we've said before, man. I'll, you know, we can sit here and say, need to hit the deep ball more, um, you know, Need, need to get the ball to Jaheim Bell more. Need to get the ball to EJ Jenkins. And again, I, I, as an idea, I agree with all those things. It's just one of those things, man. If, if you're not staying on the field, it, it's kind of you. You have to hit them when you have the opportunity. So, you know, there there was a great, um, what I would call like a hole shot where you're you're trying to fit the ball in between the safety and the corner. Beautiful throw by uh, Doty. You remember the play I'm talking about to Jaheim Bell on the sideline. He almost made a great catch. It got sort of dislodged at the very end. But um, you know, good, good call, good execution, you know, all the way down to great just a great hit by the Kentucky guy, you know, with Jaheem Bell, you know, Jaheem Bell is one of those guys. The coaches have talked about it. He's hard on himself. He clearly looked ticked off at himself after that, that he didn't hold on to that football. But point being, you're, you're like a little, you know, you're an inch off from making a big play. Um, but then we say, well, why does Jaden Bell not get the football? Well, when when it's kind of a small margin for error there when you're talking about getting the ball to different guys, too, Chris. Because there's only so many plays in the game, and what about half those plays are runs? So then your other half or so are throws. Um, they've actually been pretty balanced as far as those things, if you want to say one kind of positive as far as sticking to the run, keeping that as, um, you know, to where you don't just get into the – you know, when Spurrier would get frustrated, he'd just go, we're going to throw it the football.
1: We're going to throw it.
0: Um, yep. So, you know, but it's one of those things. the It's kind of a snowball effect, in my opinion, and it can work against you as a snowball effect or it can work for you as a snowball effect. You start having some success on offense, guess what? There's more opportunities for Jaheen Bell to get the ball. There's more opportunities for Nick Meese to get the ball. Like, the the ball starts getting spread around more when you run 70, 80 plays in a game as opposed to 50, and it's 50 – I almost look at it, Chris. Isn't it kind of weird how momentum just – momentum's a real thing, man. I don't care what anybody says. Momentum's a real thing. I I equate it to – a lot of times I'll hear people, as much Major League Baseball as I watch, I'll hear people talk about Well, this pitcher has thrown 50 pitches and it's like sometimes it's 50 easy pitches. Like my man has just been cruising through. Nobody's really put him in danger. Nobody's done anything offensively, you know, at the plate against him or you can throw 50 pitches where you've got runners on base all day. You're having to make a perfect pitch. These are 50 stressful pitches. I feel like for South Carolina's offense right now, these are 50 stressful plays. Like, they're, it, they are beating themselves up against the wall. It's not the, well, I got a five-yard run on first down, and now I can call anything on second down. It's not that I'm in all these third and threes. Dude, if you're in third and threes all game, I and, and I I know there's so much more that goes into it than people like to think, but if I'm in third and two for an entire game, and you just hand me a play sheet, I can probably look like a decent offensive coordinator because when you're in third and two, dude, pick, just pick one, pick a random play. You've got a a pretty good chance of it being successful. But when you're just beating your head into the ground, like running into a brick wall on, on first downs, and getting into second and third and longs, it's 50 stressful plays. And then every little thing gets um, sort of uh, magnified. Every mistake gets magnified. So, to me, some some of it is just maybe, I don't know, having something good happen, finding some confidence and finding a little bit of a rhythm offensively, which, again, is another symptom. That's not the the root issue. But um, to me, they just have not had that yet.
1: Yeah, and, you know, we've seen this team need explosive plays, you know, to be able to move the ball, whether it's – and we saw some of those in this game. You know, I think back to, you know, the Jalen Brooks, the 30-yarder, you know, good thr- – that was the thing. Luke Doty, side note, when he had some time, he was able to navigate and and he found some holes in the Kentucky zone at times. You know, it, it didn't happen enough, you know, in the run game, obviously did not help them with being able to be more balanced in, in, in some situations. But the, the 30 yarder, you know, to Jalen Brooks, they need more plays like that. But because the run game hasn't been good enough because they haven't hit some of those explosives. They don't have as much explosive potential as you would like. Just, I think from a personnel standpoint, really was that makes it more difficult. So when you're having to grind those things out, it is tougher. And we saw South Carolina again, 20 over 25% of their plays were third or fourth down. So what's that tell you? Well, they're not converting enough, but they're also getting into too many of those situations so you you want to be moving the football first and second down you want to be getting enough yards to where you're not getting in third down all the time. You mentioned getting in third or two third and three. that's great if if you're if you're there that gives you a higher chance but ideally you're getting you're not even getting there you're moving the ball on first and second down, but we haven't seen enough of that and then we also saw multiple times where Carolina is in third or fourth and short, and they're not able to convert. you know there was a sequence where they had a third and one, got stuffed in the run game. Fourth and one, got stuffed in the run game again. We went over the fourth down plays already. Like, even when the play was there, something went wrong. There was another, uh, a third down play. I want to say it was like a third and three or something like that. Uh, it was it was third and short. Um, you know, they had just converted a couple first down throws. This is when they were backed up real deep in their own territory, you remember, Wes, and actually got the ball out. They, they had a throw to Kevin Harris, they had a throw to Rico Powers. Well, Harris got some yardage on a, on a first down run. Then Marshawn Lloyd kind of got tripped up on, on a run because they didn't secure a key block. And then it was third and short, and you know, they shifted a bunch of guys around and threw a little play action to the flat to Jalen Brooks, and it gets tipped. And so now you're punting again. You know, so I think this team has to find a way to move the football. This is one of those things that's like way easier said than done but they got to find a way to move the football more on early downs and make their hay there because it does it looks it looks like everything's kind of difficult right now they don't they're not able to play fast and free but there i think there are a lot of reasons that go into that and one of them it just what it boils down to is production you're right if they can get rolling if they can find something in the run game that's working and be able to go to it consistently Or in the passing game. I mean, that is something to where this team could pick it up. And I think when you watch this team offensively, that's probably one of the roots of frustration is it's not only just on paper where people are going, well, gosh, it looks like they've got a a young quarterback with talent, and it looks like they've got some tight ends. And, you know, the receivers have kind of developed, and they're not going to be one of the best groups in the conference. But they've got some guys who've developed, and they've got a big offensive line with some experience, and they've got some running backs. But you're not even looking at that on paper. People are going back to last year and go, how did we run against Kentucky for 200-something and something yards last year and you get 50 this year with largely the same group? And I think that's a big root of frustration for people is, is what has happened even for that part to be such a um, such an issue this year.
0: Um, Trey with an interesting point. says, I don't like seeing Doty look to the sideline every play. I- I'll say this. I – I didn't mind that trade just because, um, and I, I'll be honest, I haven't like Chris. You've you've got your your rewatch already down. Um, I have not gotten through my rewatch yet, but I I actually like that because it that's something that is something we used to see, you know, under Spurrier um, for a stretch there quite a bit. To me, an issue I pointed out, and um, I, I thought it was a pretty big issue last week was South Carolina not getting the plays in quickly enough and I I thought this week it seemed like Chris you tell me they actually kind of revamped how exactly they were even you know they had they had those big uh, colored boards up and they were basically getting to the line looking at the defense and then calling a play from there so that that was a slight adjustment Trey I I liked that just because what they were doing before was not working so hey tra- change it up try to do something a little bit different that is also within the same confines of your offense you're not just throwing everything out but you're taking a little bit different approach um what was that i mean i i don't just from my memory chris doesn't seem like they had done that a time before but they sort of switched that up for kentucky
1: yeah and i could i couldn't tell Wes. uh if on the boards, if they signified something, if there was something on the other side, I couldn't tell. One thing that, that I think, I was actually on the press box side, and that certainly did, at least from my vantage point, and, and so it would also do it from from where the coaches sit up in the box. I think it shielded the offensive play caller was another thing. Um, so was that kind of a a side part of it, or was that the, the, the main intention to be able to shield? You know, we've seen guys hold up towels or whatever. You know, in the past, to shield the the uh, the guy that's signaling in the plays, um, that may have been. But yeah, there were some differences there. We we saw, uh, I didn't go and I didn't go through and log how, how many times they looked to the sideline or a check with me type thing um, or tempo. But we saw some tempo mix in too. That actually caused Kentucky a few issues at times with the tempo. I saw a couple guys that were. Um, let me let me think of how to say this. Instructed to lay down a couple times on defense. Uh, which was always an interesting thing. Um, So, yeah, they they did mix that in a little bit. I I, I think we did not see as many communication issues on the offense and up front. Even on the offensive line, there was one really noticeable one um, where South Carolina had some type of pass play called. It kind of looked like everybody blocked down, and they basically just let JJ Weaver, who's a really good pass rusher, he just had a free release off the edge and went inside and Doty. That was the biggest one. So if you're if you're searching for little morsels of positivity, I think that was better. Now rightly so, a lot of people are gonna say who cares? you know they scored 10 points and okay, good point, you know but there are a lot there's so many different things to clean up if you're trying to look at things well, what did they do better? what what are they still not doing well? I think it's fair to, to talk about all those things, Wes. I wanted to hit one question that I saw. I've, I've seen several people bring it up in the chat. Patrick from Facebook asked about this, the the onside kick. You know, I'm gonna loop that into something bigger too because Shane Beamer was asked about that and asked about the fourth down calls, and people kind of had questions about that. One person even said in the chat that um, and it's okay to have this opinion, not a uh, not blasting it at all. That you know that was him doubling down on those decisions was something like Muschamp would do. I would say this, Beamer has had no problem saying we we I made a bad coaching decision. So I, I don't loop that into into a category where he's just doubling down on his own take because that's the decision he made. Um for instance in the Georgia game he said I gave Georgia five points. I chose to take a shot out of the end zone. I shouldn't have done it. We got a safety. There there have been several things like that where he said I made a bad decision. Where he was coming from was Hey, I would I would make those fourth down calls again. We had good calls on one of the plays. He said if we didn't like the defensive look, we were going to call timeout and reassess. Um they actually had good plays on on both of those, Wes. You had a drop, you had one where the quarterback missed an open guy. You know, that makes it a bad, you know, a bad play, I guess. But um, you know, that's why he decided on those. The the, the on the lack of onside kick, rather. He explained that on his teleconference on Sunday by saying, um, you know, that his thought was the defense was playing well. They didn't want to be in a situation where they were backed up, South Carolina, and then with the way their offense is playing, have to go drive 90 yards or something like that. So they chose to to go ahead and, and kick it and try to get a stop and try to get better field position. And obviously it didn't work out, but that's kind of how he explained that.
0: Um, Chris, I'm going to throw this question to you because – Again, I haven't rewatched yet. You're probably in a better position. Um, another Patrick from Facebook, our buddy Patrick Bowen. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, uh, Chris, feel like that um, South Carolina needed to get to the corners more? Or, uh, you know, it seemed – again, and I'm, I'm just going off of the perception in my head. I have not re-watched it. And you can't get the proper – like, to me, certain things, if I watch a game in person – Certain things stand out in my head, and then I go back and watch, and I realize, oh, that was my perception of it. So, what were your thoughts, man, on like the inside versus outside run? What they did? It certainly seemed like early in the game they were trying to get Juju out there um, on the edges, some. But but how 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 did it actually play out in your in your eyes?
1: Well. He- I don't know if we could really say. I, you know, I thought this this uh, outside run was a lot more successful because, just to be honest, there wasn't a lot of success running the football in general. You know, a lot of the different things that they tried to do just weren't that successful. Um, I, I did I did come away with this take, Wes. I thought that Juju McDowell looked like the most dangerous back in space. Um, there were there was one sequence where he got the ball twice. and and was able to bounce it outside, and he made a guy miss both times. Um, I mean, where he literally was one-on-one with a guy and made a miss, and we just didn't see a lot of that. You know, now you look at it flip side, Kevin Harris, that guy's an inside runner. You know, he can bounce it outside, and as we know, he has some speed. if If he can get loose, he's got kind of deceptive speed. Um, But he hasn't been able to do that for the most part this season. There was actually one run that I thought if Kevin Harris had bounced it outside, he might have been able to get a first down um, and and instead was stuffed in the line. You know, I didn't have to to kind of condense my answer. I I don't know inside versus outside whether we need to see more of it. I do think we probably should see more Juju McDowell and his bread and butter are probably going to be those outside runs, outside zone some little pop passes where he can kind of, he's got good patience. He can kind of follow the lineman up in there and then shoot up in a gap and go. Maybe we should see some more of that. But I think, look, they're going to have to be able to run the football inside. I mean, some of you are going to say in the next game, win or loss, why are they still running the ball inside? They've got to, they're going to need to be able to do that. And they're capable of doing that. They just got to find a way.
0: Yeah. And I think Chris, um, that is kind of one of those things. You hammer you hammer inside, hammer inside, and, you know, everybody, rightfully so, is like, why are you running it up the middle? Why are you running it up the middle? And then it starts hitting. You start wearing the team down. It's kind of one of those things. You you, you don't know when it's going to break through. And if you abandon it, you miss the opportunity to, to actually hit it, I think. So it's when when are you running up the middle too much? When do you need to keep doing it? Where's the line? Who knows? I will say somebody said, why not Juju uh, with two backs? They they did run that a little bit. They had Juju in the slot, motioning across. Um, Chris, if I remember correctly, I remember one of those plays. They had Juju come across. Then it was an inside handoff to Harris. They had another of those plays. They had Juju come across. I think they handed it to Juju with Harris as a lead blocker. I mean, those, those are smart plays. Like, that's smart to have that in. It, it, you know, maybe even do a little bit more of that. I, now – He's not truly playing slot receiver as a direct – like he's not out there running a bunch of routes, you know. So it, you do telegraph yourself a little bit with those plays, I think. But I, but I like having that in. I'll, I'll agree. And, Chris, I to me, Luke, um, Luke still isn't quite at his full speed as far as running on the outside. To me, that's kind of obvious. I yeah. agree with the take. They have to run him more. A little bit to open up defenses, but also you need a 100% full speed Luke Doty um, doing that. And I'm not in any way suggesting they're like playing him hurt. I'm just saying, as far as being at his ultimate quickness that we have seen, um, he's maybe not quite there yet. And you know, Beamer sort of alluded to that, if not straight up said that. If you listen to the press conference after, so but I did. You notice they came out second half that first drive. They said, you know, we're going to use. Doty's legs a little bit more. I think you have to do that off the top a, a little bit to loosen things up to where that crashing, that crashing guy down from the edge has to hold up for you know for, for Doty. I, I will say this. I, I wanted to get, you know, you talked about it. I actually like the fact, y'all, that Beamer did not back down on the fourth down decisions because here's what you don't want. You don't want a coach. You certainly don't want a coach that no matter what happens is like, I would have done it the exact same. But you don't want a coach who every single decision is like, you know, "Ah, I should have done this differently. I should have done that. You know what I mean? I want the coach that goes back and looks at it and gives me his honest opinion and says, you know, I should have done this or I'll stick with it or says, look, it was 50-50. Like it it was – it was a coin flip, you know. So I'll tell you this, man. I, when it happened, my thought process, Chris, I was saying, I was saying, I appreciate the aggressiveness, but I don't know if this is going to work, you know. <laughs> As it was happening, you're sort of like, and I, you're playing it out in your head. What would you do if you were in that position? But even after thinking back over the game with hindsight, being 2020. And knowing that they didn't convert the fourth downs, the more I thought about it um, on Sunday, I was like, I think that was the right call, man. At some point, you get the ball in that field position. At some point, you have to just say, look, we have to make a play on offense. Like, we may not get this opportunity again. So, Mm -hmm. me – Could if you don't get it, are you possibly putting your defense in a worse place? You are putting your defense in a worse place, but guys, we have we have watched South Carolina take a let's avoid something bad happening at all areas and instead of let's go try to make something happen, we've watched South Carolina do that for, for a number of years, right? So if you are one of those people who complained for five years about punting to pin people deep or kicking long field goals, you don't get to have it both ways now. Now, (laughs) now there, there is a line, right? Like there's, I think you can, I think you can accurately say, all right, you know, if you're a South Carolina fan, you can say, man, I kind of wish we didn't go play action at the one yard line at Georgia. And like, like there's a line where the aggressiveness You know, you dial it back, right? But we're nowhere near that line by going for it on fourth down in Kentucky territory with the game on the line. If if you hit either of those plays and South Carolina wins the game, you're saying – and they were both there. Both plays were there. They were there. They were there, yeah. If you hit them, you're saying, man, I love the fact that this coach said he saw the opportunity to go make a play. And he, and he just went for it. So, I I appreciate the guts. on You know, and on one of them, uh, one of them was right before it was third. Do you remember what the third down was before the fourth and five? It was a third and long, right? And they got the ball to EJ.
1: Yep, that was right. It was about a 13-yard gain to EJ, I think. So, that set up that fourth and five.
0: So then you do have Kentucky. Now, I, I would have loved to see the play get in actually a little bit quicker on that if we're going to be nitpicking. And then, because you have Kentucky. A, Kentucky goes from a third and long mindset to a fourth and makeable defensively. I think you have them on their heels a little bit. You're putting pressure on them a little bit, maybe for the first time in the game, to you know, to go make a play. So, and guess what? Guys were open. So I, I I don't I've never subscribed to the theory of well if it didn't work, it was the wrong call. like that's that doesn't that's not how it should work. So to me man, I, I appreciated the decision. I appreciated last week Beamer being like eh, probably want that one back you know in hindsight. And I appreciated Beamer this week saying nah guys, didn't work out but I'd have done it again. Like, to me, I appreciate all sides of those. And I'm not just siding, like, blindly siding with Beamer on that. That's truly the, the way I feel about it, Chris.
1: Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, coaches at multiple schools, I mean, they have just kind of, yeah, we do it again. And that they kind of leave it at that, and you can tell they're just being hard-headed, stubborn, whatever. And There's actual explanation. We And we have the, the hindsight of knowing that Shane Beamer has uh, – criticized himself or his coaches or whatever it may be for decision making. So, yeah, when you, when you look back at those choices, um, that's kind of – it's important to put it, you know, in the proper context. Wes, before we get out of here, a little late today, a lot, lot to talk about. Let's tell the folks about dead Soxie. Ty Adams fired up about dead Soxie. Probably so much that he's going to go and use the promo code cocky On deadsoxy.com, dot ycom to buy even more pairs of deadsoxy socks. Yes, buttery soft feel, patented no-slip technology, men's and women's, all sorts of socks for any occasion, any kind of use. Go check out deadsoxy.com. Use the promo code cocky to get 25% off your order.
0: Good job, Chris. Man, Uh, we didn't even get to recruiting, really. We're going to talk about it tomorrow, I think. Um, Okay. I'm working on the Carolina confidential man. I, I think I got some, I think I got enough stuff for that. So we'll uh we'll we'll put that out. Ethan wants to know how much is Beamer involved in the play calling. It's one of those things I can't give you a definitive answer, Ethan. Chris, I don't get the impression that that on either side, Beamer is one of these coaches that's like he's not sitting there dialing up offensive or defensive plays, you know. There, there's unless you are unless you're like Spurrier, unless you're like the coordinator and you like go into a game saying I'm putting all my focus on that. Very hard to do, in, in my opinion, I I from everything I've heard and I hope I'm not speaking wrongly here. Beam, Beamer is just one of those guys who is going to manage the, the the game as far as the fourth down decisions, game flow decisions. Now, I'm sure he's giving input. Um, hey, you have four downs here, or hey, let's try to get the ball to this guy. Let's try to, like, I mean, Beamer said it himself. Um, ECU game, he goes into halftime. He says, We, we want to get, the, let's get the ball to our running backs. Like, if we go down, we're going to go down with the ball in their hands. I'm sure he said, has said, Hey, let's get the ball on the edges here, or something, something like that. But he's not out there literally calling plays. I mean, is that, is that the impression you get as well, Chris? It's not really a, a detailed, um, play calling involvement from, from beamer right
1: i mean they go into halftime or even during the game you know you talk about it as a staff and he's part of those decisions as far as but head coach obviously hey like you said Wes, you got four downs here or let's run some clock or let's take a shot here things like that you know where he's not then giving the play call run this play if he did then obviously <laughs> you know satterfield will go run it but no indication that stuff's happening he's he kind of stays back on that um, and and is involved at the higher levels of those decision-making processes.
0: All right. That's going to do it. Uh, Plenty of stuff still to come on gamecockcentral.com. Go check out our uh, Jamari Lyons story that's up right now. One of the three official visitors that was on campus for South Carolina. I'm, I have not spoken to the other two. I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. Jay Sean Barham, not a guy that's into doing many interviews, probably not happening there guys. Um, Antonio Williams is another man. He, de- he does not enjoy the recruiting process, which I kind of respect. But um, I-, I will have some information uh, on-, on how that visit went, and we'll have that in Carolina Confidential. I've already got some stuff there. So I do hope at some point to catch up with Antonio and uh, and see how that visit went. So um, that's going to do it for today. Come check us out, GamecockCentral.com. Of course, Beamer speaking tomorrow. We'll have reaction from that probably uh, 2.30 or so show tomorrow. Um, for Chris, I'm Wes. Uh, we appreciate our sponsors. Dad Soxy, Clint Hammond, The Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com. Y'all have a good one